0: This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast.
1: Now a lot of people have
2: been saying, why are you so excited about these toilets all the time? I want Brett to to create a top ten Europa Park toilets guide so that when we go there, we're not going to miss out on the fun. Surely the the premier toilet experience must
0: be at Tokyo Disney (laughs) Sea.
3: Hello and welcome to the Theme Park Loopy podcast. I'm joined here today by quite a busy studio. We've got Charlie, we've got Dan and we've got Brett. I'm not sure if I remember the
1: last time that we had Brett uh, but I'll start with you Brett. How are you doing? I'm really good thank you. It's nice to be back after an incredibly busy few months uh, mostly doing Halloween related stuff and I can breathe a little bit more now. Good good that's good and Dan how are you doing?
2: Yeah, really good. Uh, We had a really good time last weekend as well in Blackpool, so it'd be nice to to catch up with you after that. Uh, But yeah, really good.
3: Perfect. And Charlie, how are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, It was good to go to Blackpool last weekend and see everybody. Um, This week I haven't really done anything that theme park uh, related. I've mostly been building furniture, but you know. Just having a bit of a
3: chill and building furniture. Okay, so what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to have a bit of a good old-fashioned chat about Alton Towers and what's going on there, because I don't think we've covered Alton Towers for a little while. However, before we kick off, Brett has spent a little bit of time at Europa Park last week and he's just come back. So I think he's going to give us a bit of an overview of how that went. So how did your trip go, Brett, over at Europa Park?
1: It, it was actually amazing. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me, over the years, that Europa Park will ruin UK theme parks for me. Now, for, for for context, I've only been to theme parks in the UK, um, which is crazy, but uh, unfortunately true. Until this week, when I've actually just recently, a couple of days ago, got back from Germany. And it was a birthday present from a girlfriend, uh, a very good one at that. And I didn't know how amazing Europa Park actually was. I knew it was good. I heard people talk about it. Um, but I could go on for days about this. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm actually very critical about theme parks in general. Uh, but there wasn't a single thing unthemed. There wasn't a single part of the park that wasn't fun or interesting. There are so many food outlets that just swamp anything you'll see in the UK. There's so many shops and just everything there genuinely felt like a resort. Now, we hear that word resort a lot in the UK. We hear Thorpe Park Resort, but actually you're just sleeping in a shipping container. Um, You hear Alton Towers Resort, but actually it's just a load of incredibly expensive hotels. And you're also not really allowed to go to the theme park most of the year. Um, This you you are genuinely there and you can spend a week there and never leave the park. One thing to note was they actually open the park a couple hours early before rides open just so you can go and have breakfast and things like that, which which might be to you guys who have been to America and stuff, a bit more of a a more common concept. But for me, who is is basically just a a guy who goes to Walton Towers a lot, it, it was just unheard of and uh the i i I've, I've been far too excited about the toilets now a lot of people have been saying why are you so excited about these toilets all the time every single toilet was themed incredibly to the point that and the, no one needs to know this and they don't need to do this but it, the guys will know this for sure is you know those little kind of uh plastic mats the cakes they put in urinals yeah and they uh those have the Europa Park logo on. Why? Nice little touch. It, but it, exactly. It's, it's so pointless. Um, they didn't have to do that. The, the soap dispensers are, are themed. It, it, it's just silly as to how much detail they put into things and how clean they were. There was a cleaner in every toilet continuously for the entire duration of it being open. I never once saw a piece of litter around the whole park. It, everything was just immaculate. And and I mean, if you've been to uh, the toilets at Alton Towers, for instance, especially on a busy day, you'll agree how actually nice a, uh, a decent, clean toilet is because uh, you can see some pretty bad ones here in the UK sometimes. And
0: the only place in the UK that I can think of with the theme toilets is Flamingoland. They do, they do have the theme toilets.
1: <laughs> I forgot about them. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it was just so, so strange to me that everything was so well done. And uh, they have all these little dark rides that some of them you can see are very old and very tired, but still have that charm. You can see they're trying to keep them going because of that charm. And then they have, obviously, the more modern rides. You have Blue Fire. You have the really, really good B&M Hypercoaster Silver Star. Uh, and loads of tiny... Every time you say Blue Fire, I just want to go,
0: Blue Fire! Do
1: you, do you,
0: do you know what I'm on about? You I have no that? idea what that
2: reference is.
0: In like, in, like, the 90s, it used to be, like, a game. It wasn't a board game. It was, like, a shoot things into a person's goal kind of game. And you lost all of the balls and then could never play it again. And it used to have this advert, and it was like, crossfire. <laughs> well, that's
2: like what a pops into my head. Reference.
3: Yeah, well, that's all well and good, Charlie, but let's get back to toilets. So Sorry, I didn't we're... mean to. Uh... <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> let's, to get, honest, let's get I, back but, but to want, toilets.
2: I want Brett to, to create a top 10 Europa Park toilets guide so that when we go there, we're not going to miss out on the fun.
3: Yeah, and, Definitely and... a video. And also, when you go, when you, this is this is the thing, right? If you're if you're really enjoying toilets at the moment, then Brett, I think you're really gonna love toilets in America because at SeaWorld, not only do they have stingray-shaped uh, uh, pee things like they do at Europe Park, which was pretty cool. When you go to the world Wizarding World of Harry Potter, you get harassed by Moaning Myrtle in one of the toilets while you're trying to do your business, and all you can hear is "Oh no, won't you be my friend?" <laughs> and uh, so yeah, you get all that over over there. So I think you're gonna enjoy um, you're gonna enjoy some good toilets in America, I think, Brett. Although. Uh, one interesting thing about toilets in america is apparently it's perfectly fine to have massive gaps in between the doors because i think people want to watch you on the toilet in america
0: yeah the doors only go part way up
1: yeah i don't know what that's yeah they don't go to the ground (laughs) they go part (laughs) way i mean like they sometimes have a gap at the bottom i get that but but like how how high is this gap uh, quite high in america generally to your like, to your knee almost uh, children
0: could probably see under it
1: yeah <laughs> that's that's unnerving it's the good good to know I'm, I'm glad i didn't just stumble upon, upon that next year when i go to florida Um i was gonna say though surely that the premier toilet experience
0: must be at tokyo disney sea because the, the japanese are famed for their fancy toilets
2: Well, has anyone been to Disney Sea to check this this assumption out? Not yet. That's you know, I'm I'm sure it's on everyone's lists, but it's an expensive one to get out to, isn't it? So, I mean, now I know the 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 toilets.
1: Now I know the toilets are that fancy. I'm going to have to
2: go. Right, absolutely. That's that's the final straw in Disney Disney uh, Disneyland Sea or whatever it's called. Um, What I was going to say is when I was in Bush Gardens, um, in the I can't remember which section it was. It was one of the kids' sections where there's like a little play area for, you know, Sesame Street. There's like a little play area for kids to like play in this, like in these wet, uh, like cool down areas. And when we went, it was really quiet. So there was no one else there. The only people who were in this section of the park were the toilet attendants just going in and out every 15 minutes cleaning. And there was no one to clean, but they were still doing it on like a set routine. Um, so, yeah, the, the toilets are good in, in America. You know enjoy it, Brett look forward to it that's good all right well let's
3: move on from toilets because what I want to understand then Brett is I've been looking at going to Europa Park and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have can you explain to the listeners how to get to Europa Park because it seems like you have to go to different countries and different ways of getting there do you want to talk us through that and how you found found the
1: whole journey so I, I didn't book it. My, my girlfriend and her friend booked it. Um, and they told me about how much of a nightmare it was to actually book. Um, however, when you actually book these things and kind of work out where you're going, the actual journey itself isn't as daunting as you first think. So so we travelled uh, from Manchester to Baal or Basel, uh, as it's spelt, um, which is uh, just in in france essentially well it's this is the the kind of the caveat to to what we're getting at here this airport is actually in switzerland france and germany it, it, it's a weird three-way airport uh i think they actually looked at, at package deals and stuff and europa park doesn't tend to deal with package deal things uh and and different kind of uh agents like that so booking things separately is not only a little bit more difficult but actually far far cheaper they found that they were almost cutting the costs in half than if they were to do it through a sort of travel agent or anything and um, what we did is we booked an easy jet flight the easy jet flight fly uh, flows from uh from manchester to to Baal at i think it was around uh 6.30pm and it does this actually every day, it's almost like a train, you know how you have the same times every single day um, and it arrives in Baal at about half nine-ish, something like that uh, the only issue now is that we were going to get a bus um, from Baal airport um, but we'd have to cross the border within the airport, which makes it sound quite daunting that you have to cross borders inside an airport but you literally just um, you just walk to another part of an airport. It's, it's the same corridor, you're just in a different country. Um, it was something we weren't aware of until we were actually there. So it's really not as complicated as it sounds. We then got a Flix bus, which I think is a fairly common bus in, in Germany and that sort of area. The Flix bus goes, um, I think, all the way to Frankfurt, if I remember right. But it stops off at, at Europa Park. The only issue is is the bus goes in the morning and then obviously comes back at night time, and we could only travel at night time, so we had to stay in i think it was a an Acer hotel across the way from the airport which was 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 a really cheap um like budget budget hotel, but we were only sleeping there to get the bus the next day. It was a quite an an easy kind of overnight stay get the bus the next morning, and it drops you right at the entrance to Europa Park. Um, And it was pretty easy getting back. It was the same bus stop, a Flix bus, that picked us up at about 10 past, 20 past seven at night, and we got to the airport with about 40 minutes to get on our flight. Uh, There was a bit of a a rush because the the bus was slightly late, but we still made it. Uh, So I definitely think... If, if you're thinking about doing it, I think that's a good way of doing it. It saves you having to travel to an airport like Cologne or, or anywhere else or Frankfurt that's actually two hours away as opposed to an hour and a half on um, on this bus that we were on. Obviously, the other alternative is to drive, but we think that flying and yeah, with it were cheaper.
0: With its strange location there, Europa Park, you do have a number of options. If you can get a flight, there is an airport in Baden. It's possible, but you're probably not getting one from Manchester. Um, you can fly to Strasbourg. That's not far technically from it. That's, you're in France, but you're closer to it than Frankfurt. Uh, however, your problem with that is then, I would not recommend renting a car in France and driving into Germany. That's That's not your best way of doing things. You'd be better off to go... To Germany. Like, I mean, if you fly Frankfurt, it is a bit further away, but car rentals, real cheap, a lot cheaper in Germany than it is in France and a lot cheaper than it is in Switzerland as well. If you want to rent one in Baden, oh, that's expensive.
3: So what kind of cost are we talking about, Brett, in terms of, you know, how, how much could we expect to pay to travel over there, to stay, uh, pay for the tickets, etc., if we went for a few days?
1: Uh, so we went for we went for two days Um tickets range from a, a around 50, 60 euros, which is similar to uh, any general theme park admission. Um, they do half day tickets, which is what we did on our third day while we were waiting for our bus home. And uh, so we we did that as well. I think they were at the 34 euros or something like that. Um, so the flights there, the EasyJet flights. I found one in February, for instance, for as cheap as £34 a flight return. Um, it, the max I found was was like £120, £130 a flight. Um, and the hotels on the resort are, as expected, fairly expensive. Um, you're looking at €270 Euros a night for some of them. However, we stayed off-site in, in Rust, and it it really wasn't that expensive at all you can find anything for your budget there you can find some pretty cheap hotels we had a nice little apartment um overall i think the the whole thing came to about seven eight hundred pound for us to go have three days in park and three nights worth of accommodation including the night that we had to stay over in 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 airport um so it it really wasn't that bad, and we took three hundred euro spending money, and we actually struggled to spend it. We got halfway through the second day and went, "Oh, we should probably buy a load of ride photos and stuff." <laughs> um, so it was uh, it's, it, it the the food is fairly reasonably priced as well. It's not extortionate over there, really. Um, I I thought it was going to be far more expensive than it actually was.
2: What's the uh, language barrier like, Brez?
0: It's. A,
1: it's a, they all
0: speak real good English.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we found a couple people that, that it was a bit more of a struggle, but it, no more than literally any holiday I've ever been on. Um, you'll find more people speak English there than don't. Um, and even if they don't speak that great English, your broken German between their broken English, you kind of have a bit of a conversation going. Yeah. Um, I've noticed as well, I spoke to a few people, um, Kate Munro, who's actually on the design team for Traumatica. She gave me a few pointers because she, she, she's there so often um, on where to go and who to speak to if I really needed anything. Uh, certain places that always have people that speak English on stuff like that, hotel desks, for instance, tend to always have Yeah, that's, that's not,
0: generally the staff... Um anyone you talk to at Europa Park they all tend to speak pretty good English all the people in the shops tend to speak pretty good English um, there are people in the restaurants once again pretty good English uh, the hotel staff obviously they speak really good English because they're the front facing people so but um, I mean obviously if you're in Germany you're going to encounter some people who don't speak English but not so much the staff generally
1: Here's a a little thing we came up with. Is it's definitely worth um, noting is you can't buy paracetamol or painkillers or medicine in a shop in Germany. Um, so we we were going to get some paracetamol. So we went to our local Lidl, and uh, it, there there is nothing there. You can buy cigarettes by the bucket full at Lidl, but you can't buy Um, paracetamol. So we had to find a specific pharmacy. Um, It does exist. There is one in us, but it's something to think in advance of. It's something we definitely didn't know about. And we had to do a fair amount of walking around the village to find it. It's
2: weird. like The cultural differences that you don't think about before you travel are are sort of what what catch you out sometimes. When we were in America, uh, we ran out of ibuprofen. So we ended up, uh, when we rented a car for a few days uh, and we headed to a supermarket. And in the supermarket, uh, we tracked down some ibuprofen. And we were thinking, you know, you usually get, what, 10, 15 tablets or something. Uh, and in the UK, they're really strict. They don't let you buy more than that because, you know, there's legislation. In America, we got this. You can't, if you're listening, you can't see what I'm holding up. It's fi- no, like 250 ibuprofen tablets That's and it was, it was $7. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Madness.
0: Yeah, with that point, that always does amaze me in the German parks. The shops sell cigarettes. Like, you don't encounter that in England, but yeah, in, in Germany, you, you can go into the gift shop and they have cigarettes behind the counter.
1: We did come across a uh, a pizza vending machine that unfortunately was out of order, but there was a pizza vending machine in the middle of the street in Rust. There's no shops but there are random, creepy vending machines just down the street. The village is actually beautiful. Um, the German buildings and stuff, they're, they're so, so beautiful. Um, but yeah, there's random vending machines. The first night, we had to find a kebab house and find a vending machine in the street to, to eat. Um, <laughs> it was really strange. Europa Park seems to have almost um, a a chokehold on on Rust in general. It's like Europa Park is actually bigger than the area around it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's
0: literally all over us. That's the question I wanted to ask, Brett. When you got there, was it daytime or nighttime?
1: Uh, we got there before park opened. So we we left, the uh, the bus was, I believe, uh, was it about 9am from the airport? We got there about half, was it about half 10, 11 o'clock? And the park opened at 11. So uh, we got there in the morning.
0: So when you were driving out, um, was it night?
1: It was, yeah. We left at about half seven.
0: I, I always liken when you sort of drive past Europa Park, which looks vast when you drive past it on a night. And it's like Vegas just on one side of you you know, with the themed hotels. And it's like, it just reminds me of Vegas.
1: Yeah, it does give that vibe. It is the, the big Coliseo Hotel and stuff like that. I can see what you mean. The towers and all the lights, especially at Christmas at the minute, everything's lit up beautifully. So yeah, there's absolutely, like, so it does look like there's like a very quiet, dark village on one side and just this metropolis of theme park on the right.
3: All right, so before we uh, before we move on to Alton Towers, though, what I want to know is what are the rides that we that you must ride at Europa Park and how do they compare to rides at places like Alton Towers and how does Europa Park even compare to UK theme parks in general?
1: Well, I'd say uh, you, you've, you've got the sort of top three to five roller coasters there. Silver Star is a B&M hypercoaster. Um, it's the first one I've ever been on, and I was really excited. Um, I have heard people, including you guys, talking about the clamshell restraints that you get on B&M Hypers, and uh, no one prepared me for how absolutely terrifying they are. Yep. Um, <laughs> they, they are horrifying. It took me about um, all of the rides that I went on it, which may have been 15, um and I'm still not over it. And I still can't not cry a little bit. Uh, they, they do not feel like they're going to hold you in. And I know that's probably the reason most people love them. But th- there, were a, there were certain times I went on it where I wasn't touching the seat or the restraint. And I had to keep looking down and, and reminding myself I was probably safe. They, they are epically scary restraints um and then matching that is is blue fire which obviously was max first major coaster when it comes to you know the what we see now in the likes of icon and and helix and, and everything else we're seeing and obviously even hyperia that's being built at Thorpe park right now uh blue fire is brilliant it's it's really fun it's super smooth it's everything we know a good mac coaster could be um and then the final uh, inline twist at the end just tries to throw you out of your seat in every way possible, and then it takes your photo, and everyone is smiling in their photo at the end, just simply because they've realised they've survived.
2: Uh, on the on the clamshell seats, um, one thing that it does sort of change your perception of, uh, in my opinion, is when you do like it makes it made me ultra sensitive to the head banging effect of over the head restraints to the effect, like to the degree that I'm now, like I was on a rocking roller coaster, uh, a few, a few weeks ago and I, I couldn't take it cause it was, I was just knocking my head either side and I'd never noticed it before cause I've been on that many BNM rides now. Like it's so stark is the difference. It's so smooth and nice and you like, you feel free and unrestrained. It's, it's a different experience.
1: Yeah, it really is quite scary. It took us a lot of time. Um, one thing I did notice about b Hypers, which if you've never been on one, if any listeners have never been on a b Hyper, it's quite fascinating. If, if you're really interested in how roller coasters work, they're a perfect example of explaining how G-forces work on a ride just by going on it. Um, we realized that the G-forces are calculated quite clearly to the middle of the train. Um, you have almost perfect zero G in the centre three seats. And then towards the front and back, you get this either drag or pull effect almost that that then throws you out the seat more. And depending on how central you are to the train is whether or not you get that almost perfectly calculated zero G. It's it's quite fascinating. For someone who's really interested in the physics of roller coasters, a B&M hypercoaster is basically a science lesson
3: and how how so how would you compare um europa park to it to a uk theme park what would you say that the main differences between somewhere like europa park and somewhere like Alton towers and fort park for example
1: I, I love the parks we have here i love Alton towers everyone knows that um i actually i absolutely adore thought park as well um the the difference is, is the word resort um the word resort at Europa park means something completely different to what you think is the Alton towers resort Um resort over here means that you can kind of also sleep if you fancy it there it means that you can spend a week here never get bored have an amazing experience and just everything is thought of there wasn't a single out of place and, and i tried to find those things that were out of place i definitely think that uh, for a family it is far beyond any alton towers type family theme park that we could ever possibly imagine over here um if you have a family europa park is is the ideal park because the kids rides are actually just as enjoyable for adults as well uh, they're they're just they're just brilliant fun and uh I don't think I can recommend it enough if anyone's ever thought about going I would seriously recommend looking into it uh it is definitely worth doing um and fingers crossed eventually we'll we'll see a park a little bit more like that over here or or maybe there can be some lessons learnt from that kind of style that they have there it, it's uh it's, it's pretty amazing to see
3: yeah and i think um i people might disagree with it but i guess blackpool is the closest thing we have to a resort because blackpool itself is a resort but it also has the pleasure beach sandcastle the merlin attractions all the hotels and everything you could kind of argue that blackpool in general is a resort but in terms of a, a theme park that has its own areas like you have in America where you have Universal Studios plus City Walk, Disneyland Paris, plus the uh, Disney Village. I think me and Sam on a, on an episode a few years ago, we were talking about the future of Alton Towers. And one of the things that we said would be really good is if they could build some sort of village area that would cater for the people who are staying there. I think the challenge that they're going to have is obviously the noise and disturbance and all that kind of thing, with being all on towers. But I do think that something like that is needed. Or if they could build something indoor, you know, if they could build, like, an indoor complex that had different areas, maybe a couple... Like, can you imagine, you know, like, if you ever see these, like, very modern cruise ships that you go on and they have these kind of mall centre, you know, it's all inside, but... It's kind of outside as well, because you have all these kind of bars that have these kind of seated areas and things like that. Maybe we could see something like that, maybe, one day.
2: I think the, the problem is in the UK, um, a lot of the guests are just day guests, aren't they? They, they come, they experience the rides, and then they go again. It, a lot of our, our parks aren't holiday destinations. Um, and I think it's it's that sort of chicken and egg situation. People won't come and stay unless there's an experience which justifies that expense um so someone needs to build it for for that situation to to click and all all to work and no one no one's decided that the financial risk is is worth it which is a shame but I I think yeah there's there's some parks in the UK that I think are big enough uh, and have the reputation that would justify having that bigger experience and trying to attract. Um, you know, one two night stays. I think I think there are a few theme parks having a rides that would really justify that. Build it, build it,
3: build it, build it. Then they will come. All right, so let's move on to Alton Towers speculation. So there's a few things going on at the moment. Obviously, we know. That Nemesis is being retracked. The track has been completed now, and some the theming is being redone of the the monster. Also, we know, uh, or you may not know, but Alton Towers have now removed the Retro Squad rides, which were basically popular fairground rides, I guess, and they were they were there they were put there during the event in order to uh, soak up some of the crowds and kind of spread people out a bit. A bit. And then the other thing that's going on is that they're uh, renovating or rebuilding one of the arcades that they've got that's near Nemesis in, in Forbidden Valley. The big thing that's going on, obviously, is uh, Project Horizon, which I have speculated that I think may well be a ride which is meant to be a kind of sequel to the black hole i mean we know it's an indoor coaster it's potentially going to be dark so why not lean into that perhaps um brett um what what do you think the future holds for alton towers especially now now they've removed the retro squad is anything going to go in their place or you know why do we think they've removed them without replacing it with anything because the initial problem that they had probably hasn't been solved yet probably until project horizon opens
1: yeah i i've I, i've heard a couple rumors about other flat rides coming uh, but we've heard those rumors before um so whether it happens or not is is a different thing completely um i'm not upset and i'm not really happy about the retro squad leaving uh, i understood their purpose but their execution wasn't brilliant uh so it's, it's kind of so so i think i went on funk and fly once and that was about it really uh it, they 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 fitted the purpose and i think the main purpose originally was it not due to covid i think was was to kind of like you said to spread the crowds a little bit more and deal with with things like that um so it, yeah it, it, they've come to an end and this actually includes the uh the the whatever it's called the twister ride in the uh, David Walliams area, that's leaving as well, which means that kids' area is actually going to have one less ride, which which is a bit of a shame, actually. Um, it would be really nice to see them do something with the theatre now. Uh, that would be really cool to see the 4D theatre come back alive or something, doing something along the lines of the, the, the Walliams storybooks. I think that could re- work really well. Um, as for what's happening with Nemesis, they have had... Planning application, I think consent has been given, I'm not sure, uh, to do this arcade up with a completely new building. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is that the application form also says that it's potentially use of a, a ride area of some sort. We don't know what that means. and I, I don't think it actually means anything. I think it's just part of the application as a precaution if they were to ever use it as something else. I think it is just going to be a new arcade area. They're also redoing the uh, what was the, the, the place next to Ripsaw, to the left of it. That is going to be uh, a new cafe area and probably a shop, I would imagine, as well. Uh, when it comes to this this new Project Horizon, uh, does anyone know anything about it? I, I know a lot about Nemesis stuff, and I've seen... The concept art and stuff, and and it, it's going to look incredible. Um, but the, the as for Project Horizon, it's we, we we know nothing really other than the fact that it's a building.
3: Well, I've looked at the I've looked at the plans, and I, I think what's kind of interesting about the plans is it it looks like there's going to be um, like a, a, a few different doors to go into, maybe um, batching. Uh, might be done slightly differently there's definitely going to be an indoor aspect to the queue and I don't know if there's going to be potentially a pre-show area also it sounds like the ride building itself is going to be potentially not viewable from when you walk through the initial queue line entrance by the looks to the plans so it just seems like to me they want the one what what's ever happening in the building they kind of want it to be a surprise uh, and that's why I'm kind of leaning towards it being uh, very much a, a dark type ride. Also, because the building actually isn't that big. Um, it's, it's it's really not that big at all uh, in terms of footprint. That means to me that they're going to have to have to have a pretty compact ride in there. And if you have a compact ride, then what's the best thing to do with it? Probably have motion, have spinning things like that to make it a bit more exciting. They've also not really got the height either. Uh, I don't think in the plans is any kind of extraction uh, by the looks of it. So they're going to have to obviously make it as exciting as possible, but they're going to have to do it on a very compact uh, footprint as well. So that's why I've just said that I think, well, maybe if they had it, because a Project Horizon is... uh, An event horizon is that that's sort of the end of a a black hole when things get sucked into it. And I speculated that wouldn't it be really good if the ride was something like kind of spinning or controlled spin type ride where there was a black hole in the middle and and you were being kind of sucked into it or something like that. And that could be a way to make it kind of dramatic and exciting uh, for something on a relatively... Uh, small uh, footprint so that's what I've suggested but apart from that obviously there is it's just pure speculation and we can obviously see the plans of the building but nothing else apart from that
0: I don't know, Al- Alton Towers they worry me when they say Black Hole, it's like what it, it's dark inside there you go, that's a dark ride
1: Yeah, I think the one takeaway I did notice with this uh, these plans for Project Horizon is is there's a sort of archway over the entrance um it looks like it could potentially be the the signage holder or something the one thing i think it looks quite modern uh and i think that's going to be unfortunately all we see of the theming on the ride is this yet again another metal building painted green um that has a a, a sign on the front of it i i, I don't have incredibly high hopes for how it's going to look externally and um, i hope that just means that that we get something above and beyond Ooh, space themed um in uh inside the ride itself a lot of people have suggested it, it could potentially be something like the van helsing ride is in is that in movie world have, have i got that right park for that um that's yes, sort of a is that a gersla bobsled type coaster if i'm if i'm right again
0: Van Helsing's factory. This is another word in there, but I can't remember what it is. Um, yeah, that's a good style one. Um, yeah, I think it's a, one of the bobsleigh mo- uh, models. It's not a. It's not Eurofighter.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, a just a, a dark ride version of one of those. So maybe something along those lines could be interesting, or something. We know Alton Towers always do new and world's firsty. So is there something in the works that we possibly don't know about? My money originally, before the indoor plans came out, um, was an axis coaster by SNS. Uh, I thought they would be the first to grab hold of one of those, but we've actually just seen in IAPA that there's going to be a couple of those made that are going to be um, transformers themed in Dubai areas. I think.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. okay well uh before we start to close up then i guess one thing that the listeners are going to be interested in you know uh, nemesis they've, they've they've had to put a new track in there because it's 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 quite old it's you know first was opened in 1994 so it needed its retrack in terms of the ride experience for nemesis do we expect anything to be different either in terms of the pre-ride experience or the ride itself, maybe in terms of the trains or the way it rides. Do we think there'll be any kind of difference compared to the original?
1: I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Um, I've, I've heard a thing. So, so in, in line with, I don't know if anyone knows this, uh, they've started digging up all the queue line, you know, up in the woods area. Uh, they've started digging all of that up. Uh, i have heard i have not seen confirmation of this that there is a helicopter that's been purchased um so along with that and all the tentacles that are going up the uh sort of uh, the current entrance building uh also i i know a guy unfortunately i was i was this close to actually potentially working on the nemesis uh uh theming myself because i was working with A company who potentially was going to get given the contract unfortunately they only chose uh one or two of the guys who work for that company to actually work on it um i know the guy and his job is quote q line theming uh so take with that what you will I'm, i'm hoping this means that we see these tentacles bursting out the ground and and maybe we do see a crashed helicopter or Something along those lines, maybe the 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 bus, the the mushroom cloud bus, which I think they've now painted white uh, with primer, is uh, is is going to be again covered in tentacles. I think overall we're going to see a far more elaborate lot of theming. Uh, whether there's going to be a pre-show, I don't think so. I think we might see some TV screens similar to Subterra explaining a bit more.
0: Merlin are capable of doing really great theming. They are, they're capable of it, but most of the time it seems to be for about three years. Except Legoland. Legoland is the place that has the best maintenance or anything in in Merlin as far as I can tell. You go there and, and they're clearly rebuilding the models because otherwise they'd be faded. You know what happens when you leave Lego out in the sun. It don't look like that no more. But I wish they'd show that level of attention and care at Alton Towers.
3: Yeah, well, well we have to hope, though with that whatever they do with Nemesis, that they do uh, look after it and maintain it. Um, obviously, it's difficult with the weather. Um, you, you'll often get a scenario where You you know, you can't necessarily repaint everything every year. So there might be a year or so when it looks a bit worn. But, you know, we can only hope, can't we? So fingers crossed, Merlin, do it justice. Um, But let's start to wrap up. Um, Brett, is there anything you want to share before we uh, finish
1: up? Uh, No, I don't think so. Uh, If anyone does want to message me personally, asking any questions about Europa Park or how to get there and things um you can find me on on instagram my my uh new instagram since my last one got hacked uh, is brett jones haunted uh on instagram. so if you want to message me on there you can do that's fine uh, and i'll try to help you out if, if you've got any further questions about that and uh
3: yeah and but we don't want to dm and, and chill um we, maybe we could dm and haunt maybe that's what what we could do instead maybe to brett um <laughs> Uh, uh, Charlie, do you want to write, remind people where they can find you?
0: Hello, everybody. I'm Charlie. You can find me at Go Theme Parks. That's on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of the places. i to keep an eye out there. I am working on something quite different from uh, my traditional content. I thought I'd try something a bit new. I've been doing a bit of animation got some little like skits going off in it and that uh yeah it's it's coming together good uh i need a little more work on it obviously and it's taking me a little while because it's the first time i've done some of these things so it's a uh, it's a bit of a slow process anybody who's ever done like video editing anything like that you'll find that your biggest challenge is i want to do this thing i don't know what it's called so i can't google it <laughs> so you you spend half an hour trying to find the name of the thing you want to do and uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it goes but uh, I'm I'm working on that and then once I've got that one done, hopefully a few more will come a little bit easier you know, so keep your eyes peeled guys
1: it's go time
0: (laughs) yeah
3: Well, that was the same with me with keyframing. I knew it was something I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure what it was. Um, Is Dan... that your new
1: catchphrase? It's go time, because that's just perfect. It's go time. Yeah, yeah
3: it's yeah. it's go time. We did. A I love bit... it. It's perfect. Me and Charlie did a little video at um, Blackpool Pleasure Beach, and, and we kept saying it all the time. So you might see it on that video. <laughs> um, Dan, do you want to remind people where they can find you?
2: yeah check me out on on air club uh so i'm on youtube and a few other channels um we should have it's been a bit of a long journey together but should have another video coming out either this week or next week uh and again I'm, I'm in the same boat as charlie i'm just struggling with like video editing it's not been where i spent most of my my adult life so i feel like you know when you you start playing with photoshop for the first time you don't know where any of the buttons are or what anything's called so yeah um, hopefully, I'll have a, an efficient workflow sorted shortly because I'd quite like to get more videos out in a timely, timely way. Perfect.
3: Okay, well, um, guys, thanks for joining us today. Uh, nice to have you back again, Brett. I know that you've been really busy during spooky season, um, but I'm, I think everything's good. Everyone, everything seems to be going pretty well at the Haunted Hotel, and it looks like uh, Terror Mountain had another stellar year by the looks of it as well. So, congratulations on that, and hopefully you can have a little bit of a rest now you get into Christmas, maybe. But, um, we'll see.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. December's looking pretty good so far. Good, good.
3: Okay, alright, so Theme Park Loopy, you can find us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube. Um, If you're listening to this on a podcast app, then, uh, if, if you'd like and you've enjoyed the episode, um, you can have a Uh, review the episode on Apple uh, or you can give it a rating on Spotify, we'd really appreciate it Um, but yeah, other than that thanks for joining us and we'll see you again real soon